The Be Here Now Network invites you to join Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors for a two-year mindfulness meditation teacher certification program. Get the training you need to guide others in their journey with a powerful online training course and in-person teaching events. To learn more, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash GetCertified. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. This podcast is a manifestation of our interconnected lives, and we wish to keep it free at all costs, if you can say that. So, we are dependent on the generosity of you, our listeners. So, please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd, and either use the donate button, or just bookmark the Amazon portal. We receive a small percentage of however much you paid for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that, too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks. Hi, it's Raghu Marcus and Duncan Trussell here. We have our new new idea joint podcast kind of thing it's pretty cool from maui we only do this from maui which is not Great. bad yeah and krishnadas is here with us i'm part of the joint <laughs> <laughs> so uh the other night um you said something that struck me and i i wanted to see if you would elaborate a little bit and it was uh the first part of it was around creating positive pathways in the mind. And so can you elaborate and just say a little bit about what you meant? And well, all we do is think, you know. And our thoughts enter into this moment uh, like waves hitting a beach. The waves are caused by some disturbance way out at sea, essentially, in the past. And they enter into this moment, and then we find ourselves thinking. So, unless we uh, plant some seeds of some positive feelings and positive ideas, uh, it's going to be the same negative programmed thinking, obsessive thinking, coming into this moment, and nothing is going to change that. So, that's what I think is partially behind uh, what they call the, the cult, uh, cultivating the four immeasurable qualities in uh, Mahayana Buddhism, which is kindness, loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, or peace of mind, and joy. But it's a particular, the kind of joy it is, is joy in someone else's joy. It's kind of a spontaneous arising of joy at somebody else's happiness instead of the natural or the the horribly natural reaction of like, oh, I wish I was getting some of that, you know. Yeah, they call that the evil eye. The evil eye. <laughs> that it, it is. It's a really interesting, I mean, and uh -huh. it's a cool idea, which is that actually, and I can't remember which indigenous 
there's a culture that thinks that if too many people are jealous of you, you'll get sick. Mm. And but it is a terrible aspect of being a human that you mm. take sorrow in another person's success. Yeah. It's as if it's as if happiness is is a, in a limited quantity and if somebody else has it it means there's less for you. But actually it's the exact opposite. If you allow yourself to be to take happiness in somebody else's happiness then you get it too but we're not like that because we want it we want to possess it and we we're jealous of other people if they feel good so but the idea is to to kind of you have to train yourself it's called mind training essentially on one in one hand and in daily life you would just try to think of it as finding a way to get through the day in a kind of a new way without the same bullshit going through your head all day long. The same reactions, the same self-centered, self-righteous, selfish, selfish kind of thoughts that we have all the time. Me, 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 I want it. It's got to be me. I want it. I want it. I don't want anybody else to have it. I want it, you know. But it's not like that, you know. And so the more you start thinking, you know, making offerings and aspirations and mental offerings you know uh, when you do a practice you offer it you say may this may whatever work i do on myself may somehow it benefit everybody in one way or another right you just kind of keep reprogramming yourself because we came into this life and we got programmed now what are we going to do we have to reprogram and deprogram and nobody can do it except us and if we're too lazy to think about it then nothing happens and we just keep going on with the same shit until we die. Do you, do you think that uh, this programming, you're born, launched into this dimension, and you're taught, what is this called, a zero-sum game? Is that the name of it? Have you ever heard that term before? I heard the term, but I don't know really what it's it is. It's a type of game where there is not enough. It's a limited... It's a military What's that? It's a military thing, for yeah, sure. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a game where we have th we have it's, seven tokens, and that's it. When the tokens are gone, there's nothing left. And so, do you think that this is a cultural conditioning, or do you think it's something deeper that exists inside of us, uh, in our brains, or something from having to survive in the primordial past? Well, I think it's both. I think what we call the culture is has a lot of causes and conditions. And on one hand, it's conditioned by our brains. And on the other hand, our brains are conditioned by the culture. It's, very, it's a very sympathetic kind of vibration, or unsympathetic, as the case may be. You know, I don't think that you can't separate them. You, we grow up in, a certain con, in certain conditions, and that affects our thinking mechanism, the brain itself. You know. You know all the research they're doing and now finding that meditation actually changes the shape of the brain. It increases certain areas of activity, you know, which are positive and you feeling good kind of things and takes and it takes energy away from this, the, the, the circles that we always uh, revolve in. So there's actually a physical uh, uh, analogy for it in, in, the, in, in the physical brain, but yeah, I mean, but I think it's not, it's not, we're not just talking about positive thinking here, you know, that's kind of wimpy. You know, we're talking about a com combining 
training yourself to not training yourself to release thoughts and emotions more quickly than you would under normal circumstances and keep coming back to yourself just keep on letting them go even as they keep coming back and going and coming back you just let go and you try to calm yourself and center and at the, and on the other hand at the same time you try to become a good human being you know it's not enough i mean it's really not enough to sit down and meditate these days because we're so programmed for personal pleasure that we turn the meditation into uh, mental masturbation. For sure. Yeah, and when we could be fucking, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can't fucking be a kind of meditation? Uh, Absolutely, I'd say, but you usually do it with somebody else. I mean, sometimes it's more fun. But, I mean, we usually, mental masturbation, you know, you do by yourself. I'm saying we could be... It could be more expansive than that. You know? Oh, I see. I took yeah. your analogy to actual yeah, yeah. fucking. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Or, you know, even mental fucking, but just... No, I, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. It's like you're trying to get high. Like, you, 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 some, sometimes you sit down and meditate yeah. with the same feeling as when you're lighting a joint or something. I, I do that exactly. all the yeah, time, where exactly. you sit down and you're like, nothing's happening. I feel nothing. Yeah. What's the point of this? Yeah. I gotta go. This is You do it the same way you work out. You want to get... It's like you imagine you can get abs on your third eye or something. Like you yeah. want to get ripped up there, man. And and it's that, it's that. It, it, it's interesting how how capitalism is in, will intrude into your spiritual practice, where it, you start wanting to get checks written by the universe for these right. practices. Okay, so this brings up habitual patterns. What do if those are very difficult to overcome? What are the things that that people can engage in that cuts through habitual patterns. I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) You know, continual, to make, making a, a continual, regular effort to uh, be present with whatever's happening, uh, whether it means sitting a little bit every day or, or, or reading holy books or inspiring books, but doing something to cut through the bullshit a little bit every day because it takes time to, to chill yourself out. It really takes time to get with the program. Just like you say, most of us, I've been doing this how many years? And I still sit down as if I'm going to, you know, smoke a joint or look for some kind of instant gratification. But if I sit there for a little while, I go, oh, here I am. I'm doing the same thing again. And then I remember to to chill. But that's taken a lot of years to, to, but I still go through the same process. And, uh. You know, uh, the most the, the thing that I do more than anything other than breathe is probably read about the saints, you know, and see how they lived in the world. What did they do? How did they think? What did they think about? What did they say? Because these really, the real saints, every word out of their mouth is something special. But we're just so dull, we don't get it. 
you know. Maharaji said so many things to us. And we don't, we are incapable of really hearing it, even still. After all these years, it's still resounding and we're not listening. I mean, he said, Ram Nam Karnese from repeating these names of God, everything is made full and complete, right? Right? What am I doing? How many minutes a day am I trying to do that, right? Right. I mean, if I really believed that, if I really heard him, uh, it would be, but I'm, It's a, I'm not ripe enough, you know. It's not that I'm not good, but I, but I'm not ripe enough as a as an individual to really get that. And what can I do? So I do what I can, and that it's a ripening process. And one of these days, I'll be ripe, and I'll go, oh, and that'll be that. But it's a gentle. It's a it's a it's a quiet internal process that happens. That as you live every day and live through your life and, and survive your life day after day, it's just something that's a ripening process. And well, you know, I love the, I you know, when you were saying that, you were pointing towards your TV. Yeah. Because basketball was on. If I'm allowed to out you for watching basketball, but my God, <laughs> oh, you know what? I think that's great. And I, you know, I think that, uh, and this is probably because I am such a degenerate that I, I, you know, like I think kids these days, right? They, <laughs> they think they're degenerates. I, I, yeah. I, I know. I wish I could have been a degenerate like you guys were. Um, I, oh. I, I could only dream. I know some stories, man, but, but oh, still, Jesus. And all, you know, isn't the thing like, isn't like the beauty, like these saints that you talk about, it didn't, when they're looking out at the world and who knows what they see, but isn't the dream that every single thing is beautiful to them and every single thing is perfect and they look at the basketball game in the same way that they look at a statue of Krishna or in the same way they look at their children. The whole thing is just this field of perfect love and the whole thing is the universe chanting. The universe is chanting through basketball. When you see a human being has somehow managed to launch a sphere from that far away and get it to land so gracefully and perfectly into a net to me that is a form of sainthood isn't it yes i aspired to that that type of sainthood for a long time there was nothing more pleasurable to me than hitting a long shot swish yeah that gave me such joy but uh that kind of joy passes too quickly. That's the only thing wrong with it. You know, I mean, it's not that, it's not that pleasure is bad. It's just that it doesn't last. Period. That's the you, you know, Raghu, yeah. this was, this is the thing that when I wanted, I, I love Ramdas. I love you guys, too. You're all, you all remind me of each other. But uh, when I realized that Ram, Ramdas, when he went to India. It wasn't because he was like, God, I'm, I'm partying too much. I'm taking too much, too many psychedelics and I need to, to sober up. He went there because he was, he didn't, he was tired of coming down. That's right. 
And he, want, and he brought acid with him because he said, I don't know what this is. This has changed my life, but I don't know what it is. Maybe someone there will know. Which is why, I mean, he gave it to a number of people. But that's why when he gave it to Maharaji and nothing happened, that did something to him. That, that was impressive. He gave him a more than, you know, he gave him what, uh, like more than a thousand micrograms of pure Owsley acid he had, and nothing happened to Maharaj. He, there was no change in his twinkle, you know, and around us, oh, this guy is beyond the up and down. And that was what he was looking for. He was looking for that, and Maharaji is that, so that's why it was so impressive. I want to go back. Krishnas quoted something just before Ram's, about Ram's name and talked about that for a moment. You, I, there's another story that you would be interested in, and it's a reference we had and talked about maybe in a, a recent podcast about fake, feeling fake, mm. right? Just absolute, you know, that you can say, you, what did you say? That you can say some of the things you're saying on the podcast and not live them and be, you know, you feel like a phony or something, right? Yes. Were you saying something like that? I, I, fraud, being a fraud. fraud. Oh, okay. You know, being a complete fraud. Yeah, that's a real, that's a feeling that I get sometimes, you know, because you, it's so easy to regurgitate this stuff that you get from from you guys it's really easy to regurgitate it, uh, but then and you don't you don't realize we're also regurgitating it. <laughs> it's a long line of regurgitators you got going here. Yeah. Okay, but I want and Krishnas will tell the story because he tells it better. But Tuari and Maharaji were walking in Nainital one day, and Tuari said, "This is all complete, utter bullshit." Repeating the name falsely you yes you do he said baba we keep repeating i mean tawari told us this you keep what's the use of repeating ram's name when you're just saying it falsely and maharaji said you're right but there's that one time that you repeat it purely wow that's pretty cool so that's what uh, yeah and that comes at the moment when you have to but you you have to prepare yourself for that, you know. For the most part, it, it, you have to kind of you have to say it stupidly for a billion times just to be ready when you say it that one time that everything's in line. Saying it stupidly. What do you mean by that? So I, I, I I'm, you know stupidly. I just mean doing you do the best you can, but you're not paying attention. Uh, you're thinking about something else. You're not really, you know, you know, you're going like, oh, what is Ram? Who is it? Ram, 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 Ram. Oh, yes, now I really feel something. I feel calm. Ah, fuck it. That's a tough mantra. Ram, Ram is, a, to me, the hardest mantra, and it seems like it wouldn't be at all because it's just one word, Ram, 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 Ram. Mm -hmm. But it's tough. Like, Hare Krishna, the Maha Mantra, you've got all these great words going mm -hmm. on. It's, yeah. But Ram, whenever whenever you're doing that, for me, it's really, it's like, it, I, it's hard to get into, into that one. Though, I don't know if you guys have ever done, and forgive me, this is probably blasphemous and awful, but it's, <laughs> Have you ever done nitrous? Have you ever inhaled nitrous oxide? Bless you, my son. Yes. Have you gone to the dentist? But you know that's that's the sound of nitrous oxide. Like when you're hearing that and that. It's like you're hearing this like 
Uh, I don't hear that when I get taken out just to you. I do. I don't hear anything, but uh, you hear wrong. See? You hear, yeah, well, maybe you're I, hearing wrong all the time. <laughs> you're way more advanced than you think you are. It's my you know? meditation. Yeah. But, I, but it is the sound of, it's the sound of, um, it's one of the trippiest mantras I know of, but it's the, it seems to be the most difficult to keep up a practice with for me. I know you're looking at me like, well, what you, sh- you shouldn't yeah. struggle then. I mean, you should, you should do what comes easiest to you. They're all the same. There's no difference between the names, between the deities. They're all the same. One, one's not better. I once asked to where I, you know, who is greater, Shiva or Vishnu? You know, and he said, my boy. He said, you, how can you compare infinites? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, it's just the mind working. It's all bullshit. We just do this to ourselves to fuck ourselves up. Right. Yeah. It's but it's curious though. Is it? Is the, there? There. Mantras are so fascinating. They. And it is interesting how I think people probably have predilections for different mantras for mm-hmm. some reason. Is there any explanation for that? For being attracted towards one sound pattern or another? Do they ever talk about that? I mean, maybe you could say that a person had been in that lineage at some point in another life. But who knows, you know? I mean, some people like missionary position. (laughs) Some people like other things, you know? It's just the way we're made. We're all different. And sometimes you like one thing at one moment and one thing at another moment. It it really, it's, it's irrelevant, you know? It's that whole type of thinking that has to go. Right. The you, whole bandwidth of, of those kind of like, you know, that it's just, it's all, it's not, it's just static. You you like the Maha Mantra. I mean, you, you're always repeating it and that's stuff. That's the mantra right? I like to say. So Maharaj himself said to me, Hare Krishna, Maha Mantra. Oh, that's cool. Got, that's, uh, I mean, there's this whole story where uh, Maharaji got Krishna to run out and get some instruments because the Hare Krishna people had come in and they were playing. <laughs> that's nice. That's he, 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 one of our friends uh, knew one of the big uh, Krishna gurus, Western Krishna gurus, who had just come to Brindavan, where we were at Maharaji's temple is where we were staying, and he invited him to come and bring his group in you know, chant in the temple. So about 15 or 20, the ISKCON people came and they sang and danced and it was great. And then they left with all their instruments and then they left. And Maharaji reaches into his dhoti and he pulls out 50 rupees. He says, here, go buy a drum. Because we used to just stand there and go, Shri Ram, Jai Ram, you know, we had nothing going on. We said, go buy a drum. And I bought the drum and that was the first thing. That was the beginning of all this. That gives me goosebumps. It's that gives me goosebumps because he was he, so many different people were propelled into these various career paths, even though career sounds weird, but into these paths that ended up going around the entire planet. You're one of the most you're one of those famous Kirtan Wallas on Earth right now. <laughs> and it's so fascinating to think that this man oh, yeah, saw that. Yeah, and and said, "Oh yeah, grab fifty a drum. rupees. Yeah, go get a drum." He, he did it all. I mean, he—it's so extraordinary. It's extraordinary, really, you know. It's amazing because it, the, the, there's a, a a very low level parallel, but a strange parallel in that there's this comedy club in Los Angeles called the Comedy Store, mm-hmm. 
that was run by this woman, Mitzi Shore, and she would pick people who she thought was were funny, you know. And uh, a lot of the times, the people that she would say, oh, yes, this person's funny, other comedians would be like, what are you talking about? This This person is wretched. Like, there's nothing funny about them at all. And then five years later, suddenly... You know, they've become um, incredible. Now, forgive me for comparing Neem Crowley Babadook, uh, someone running a comedy club, but... <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, does, it is interesting to me because it seems like he had some kind of lens that he was seeing into a part of people that... Uh, Duncan, he knew the past, the present, and the future. He knew who you were, who you are, who you're going to be what's going to happen, what has to happen for you, what's not going to happen for you. There was nothing hidden from him. Nothing. It's just as plain as, as looking at his hand. And there's nothing hidden. They call, it, they call Hanuman three kalavesham, the, the, the dweller in the three times, the past, present, and future. Oh, wow. There's nothing hidden from these beings. Time doesn't even exist. Time is, is just for us. You know, we're... What, let's talk about this a little bit, because it's <laughs> something that is really, like, and I'm afraid to talk about it around you, Raghu, because I always end up asking, you know, probably ridiculous questions, but it's when I hear that, I want to believe it so bad, because it's the coolest thing ever. And it's, but my mind can't grasp the idea like every all of these stories and there's so many of them of this man who was like telepathic who was could see into the future knew when people was it was just a, a classic almost like a messiah story like a jesus story you know what just one thing about that you see the way you said that like a jesus story the problem with Western religions is that they make that seem so unusual. Right. Like Jesus is beyond anything we could ever be, beyond us. We're just sinners. We're no good. And that's all the goodness. And we're not good. And it's out there. We'll never be like that. You know, it's unconscious. It's so planted in us. In India, it's not, everybody understands this is in everybody. Right. It's not far away. These beings are great, but they're not they're not different than us in their nature, in their true nature. They're just, you could say, older beings. Right. You know, and they love us completely because we're not different from them. It's there's no separation like that. Like, you know, it's just doesn't feel like when the the, the Christian missionaries went to see the Dalai Lama and they were talking and one of them said, Your Holiness, what, what do you think of sin? And he went, that's kind of a Christian thing, isn't it? There's no sin. Right. Kind of a Christian There's thing. no original badness to us. Right. Right. It's a Christian thing. It's not a Jesus thing. It's a Christian thing. Right. So we suffer terribly from that. Right. Yeah, I know there's a lot of negative connotations attached to the word Jesus because a lot of people... But even, I'm just pointing out, even the way you, you phrase your question... Yes. It's like you're, you were identified with this, you know, this yes. kind of like the 
and that's that's so much beyond us. The idea is that it's not really. It's no. That's okay, what right. I'm saying. I hear you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 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 I hear you. Okay. But here we are. And I and here we are. And yeah. I'll tell you, man. When I'm at these retreats, I'm embarrassed to talk about this stuff. I don't know why it's embarrassing to me, but I experience synchronicities at these retreats that are mind blowing, impossible impossible like some of the things that happen are impossible i won't go into detail about them because i think it's well it's just so weird if they were impossible they wouldn't have happened right but they're imp- they're extremely improbable you know mm-hmm. and so i and so i know i've i've had that experience uh at these things and many of those experiences so i'm now i'm at the point where okay <laughs> i get it there's definitely something here but still i think what is it? Is it, you know, I, the first time I met you, Raghu, well, you left my house and I thought to myself, how rude of you to get that stoned around this man that you just met? Because I was so high. And then I realized I didn't smoke. I didn't get hot. I didn't smoke weed with you, Raghu, because I, I, I remember that. And I remember like standing in front of my mirror and looking at myself and being like, man, you're tripping so hard right now. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wow, you're not really on anything right now. You were just around somebody who zapped you with something. And around you, it's this the same thing. And around Ramdas, it's the same thing. And the people at this retreat, a lot of people came from my podcast and mm. they're all saying to me, I feel oh, really? so high. I've been crying at weird moments, and I and I don't mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Um, what is that? I'd love to know what that is. What is that? Bottle it, and we can. It's my. It, it's love, you know. It's it's that feeling that you can. You're okay. You're okay as you are. You're allowed to be okay. You're allowed to feel that you're okay. And uh, this is what Maharaji gives us, because he he is that love. It's not that he's loving us; he is that love, and he he lets us into the room where that love is. And it, you can't do anything but cry, because it's just too beautiful, you know. And you you know your mind's gonna shut you down again in ten seconds, but. Because you can't take too much of it right away. You just explode. You just explode off in the other direction. But you've tasted it. We've tasted it. And we know. And as the days go on, that knowing is ripened. And we wind up spending more time in that place. We let ourselves. We, we give ourselves permission to not be so fucked up all the time. Home. Home. We're talking about home. When they were talking earlier today, Ramdas, Krishnadas, every person that you could, you could talk to, and almost every person that, if you met them that had been to India, if you said, "Give me one word that would characterize yeah. your experience," I swear, every one of them would say "home," and it was. Yeah. It's unbelievable that it that common thing. So, so that's why I said to Roshi. I don't know anything about soul or any, you know, conceptually Buddha mind, and all, but I do know that home. And I, I, you know, that I can relate with. And, and I had that experience, which was special for me, the 16th Karmapa, because I had that same thing when I got near him that, that I, I understood. 
So home really is the thing that's being shared here. Now, that is really cool. And it's something that is, uh, you know how my brain translates home, which is so funny because whenever I've gotten around this stuff, whatever it is, I would wonder, why do I feel like it's Christmas? I'd be like, oh, it's like Christmas. I feel like it's Christmas. And then I realized, oh, I'm thinking it's like Christmas because that's when I would get around my family. That's when we would all gather together. Mm -hmm. But my brain was spitting out Christmas mm. and not home. But it was, mm -hmm. it's that, Same. That, yeah. that thing. And for a lot of people, I think that's maybe where the tears are coming from because yeah. a lot of us haven't had a, ho a home in that way. Yeah. A, yeah. a right. family, an actual group of a big family of like brothers and sisters. We haven't had that. We have maybe yeah. a mom and a brother, and that's it. Because a lot of us, the divorce is boom. But sure. it's also the sharing with, so these are complete strangers. There's the kind of sharing of love between people you know, through throughout the day after day. That creates a home that's even beyond a family, I think. It's, it's not interpersonal love. It's not you and me love. It's us love. We're in that space together. And everybody relishes being in that space. And at a retreat like this, you allow that relishing to be in that space to continually or as override as much of your bullshit as you can because you really want to be here. And your heart's telling you that. It's not, you know, your mind's never going to tell you that. It's not programmed to tell you that. It's programmed to cut it up and shred it up. Can you, I, wanna, I wonder if you guys can talk a little bit about uh, <clears throat> what's the sadness? That's another thing that happens when I come and listen to you mm. sing and I'm around uh, everybody. It's beautiful, but there's this feeling of, I was talking to someone and this, you know, you have the only other place I've ever had conversations like this and they don't even compare, but the only place that comes close where just anyone comes and sits with you and opens up to you is it, a, is it a rave where everyone's on MDMA and people will come and start sharing with you and telling you they love you because they're high on, on MDMA. But here, that's not happening, yet people are, it's that same level of intimacy. Mm. And someone I was talking to, she said, there's sadness because this is the first time she's experienced this in you know 41 years of being alive and mm -hmm. she didn't know that it, you know, 42 years mm. went by where she didn't feel this kind of connection with people. Can you guys talk a little bit about that? That kind of sweet sadness that comes from th this experience? It's longing, you know. It's, it's, longing is what saves us, you know. Longing is what keeps pulling us forward out of our shit into, in, you know, towards that place that we want to be in. And it's got a bittersweet quality to it, you know, it really does because we don't have it yet, but we know it's there, but we feel it, it's in the atmosphere, but we, we're moving towards it, but it's, it's just bittersweet, you know? And um, longing is really, they say longing is what, as what a human, ex is how a human experience is being pulled within by your own being. It's, we experience that as a longing for something else. Being pulled within? Being pulled into your own heart. Oh, wild. Yeah. Oh, wild. So it's not like, 
Right. Whoa. It's so you're experiencing the gravity of your own heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. really cool. But because we're externally programmed, we, we feel it as a longing for something else in a way or some feeling, but it's really, we're, we're being pulled into ourselves. Holy God, that's cool. <laughs> wow, that's a mind blower. Yeah, you're, you got it's like you're in a tractor beam. It's so interesting. <laughs> it's like you're a craft in a tractor beam, and you spend the first part of being pulled in, desperately fighting mm. against yeah. that being drawn in, and the yeah. and the, the the feeling is one of for me. It's embarrassment mm -hmm. mostly. It's it's just a feeling of you can't function in the world like this like if you let yourself get drawn into this you mm -hmm. how do you how do you do business this is a real question i had for you guys which is that in the midst of this you have to do business and you have to do business and a lot of the business you guys have to do it it's pretty intense stuff like you've got to negotiate deals don't you like actually you i don't my nina does it <laughs> oh, that's cool <laughs> but but i'm but still we're, we do it together but she does the knit the, the nuts and bolts of it. You don't become an idiot just because you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you can still, you know, cut a deal, you know. You can still do what you have to do. It's right, the Buddhist right livelihood. Right? right. How to conduct yourself, the Eightfold Path. And one of them is right livelihood. Listen to Sharon Salzberg gave a whole thing about that on a podcast, on one of her podcasts that is beautifully connected with the day-to-day, -day, our culture now and the vicissitudes we have now and how to apply that stuff now, actually. But yeah, it's just, it's like absolutely everything you do is consciously and with, with as much awareness as possible, including negotiating his deal with Sridhar at Bhaktifest. Yeah, I mean, I just, part of, it actually gets easier because when you learn to take care of yourself, you know how to say no without anger and really mean it like no i'm not going to play for free i have people to feed you know, no i can't go there i have to go somewhere else no i have to rest i can't i can't do another world tour next week you know you just it, it gets easier to take care of yourself and and less artificial you know you feel like this is you're doing the right thing even if other people aren't agreeing you know because you're not you you're listening you're doing what you have to do and it's up to other people to do what they have to do in relation to what you're doing but that's their trip you know then there's nothing you can do about it but you guys i bet you get some heavy duty guilt trips from time to time from people who are like well you are spiritual people why won't you do it for free you should do it yeah for i get free. that yeah 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 when i was down in costa rica um there was a woman who came to the kirtan at uh blue spirit where i was giving a, a week-long retreat and she said you know she came up afterwards and she was really intense it really got me flipped me out a little bit she said why you know why don't you sing for the poor people you know why don't you sing down there i said i'd be happy to but nobody invited me you know and she just made this face like i was bullshitting i said no one's invited me and then i spoke to my host and he said you know we tried to we 
we'd have to set up a sound system there and do a whole thing there. And we've, we got a lot of uh, uh, resistance to doing that. So we just gave it up. They even tried to do something like that. But yeah, you just see that people are projecting all the time, really, is what it comes down to. It's, it's no different than saying, oh, I love what you do. It's so great. You're like God on earth for me. Thank you, yes. And the same thing when somebody's negative. It's just like, thank you. Next, you know. It gets like that after a while because you just see that people, everybody's got their own thing. And they're looking out through their own wrong prescription glasses, you know. <laughs> and they're not seeing clearly and there's nothing you can do about it. I have another question. Are you finished? Uh, well, no, I, I was just going to say... Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I know what you're getting. Probably that kind of stuff happens 3% of the time, but really what you're probably having to combat every single day is people turning you into a guru or some kind of someone to worship. That's got to be a... It, if I had to combat that, I would lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's Maharaji's grace that, that keeps me remembering what, what the real story is, really. Uh, I would be. Uh, did you read my book? I have not yet. Because there's a whole section in that I talk about how when I first started singing, but after nine months I quit. I really quit. I stopped because just what you're saying. I was. I saw that I was going to take all of this, and feed myself everything, and and misuse all the juice, yeah. and I, and I could. And the thing that freaked me out is that I saw that I could not help but do that. Right. Because I was hungry. Yes. And if you're hungry, you have to eat. It's very hard not to eat. And so I was going to just gobble, gobble everything that came to me. So I quit and I went to India. Uh, and I started, I, I was telling Maharaji inside, because he's not in the body anymore, I said, you have to fix this. This is your problem. I'm singing to people in your name. This is your problem. You don't fix it, I don't sing, and that's all there is to it. Wow. So I, I was serious, too. And it turned into a, an, uh, a life-changing experience, but I, was, I was, went through terrible, terrible despair because the one thing that I could do, the only thing that I could do to save my miserable ass, I was being prevented from doing buy my own stuff. There was nowhere to go with that. There's nothing you can do about it. it you're stuck. And you're, you're dead in the water. And he was the only one who could change it. And I knew he could. I just didn't know if he would. What was the resolution of it? Here we are. I'm but, s singing my ass off. Right. He, 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 he changed it. He did something. He, he truly opened me up and showed me something else about, showed me the way things are. And turns out it's not about me at all. Not at all. And I experienced that. And not just here. Actually, he brought me into that space where it was... Oh, I see. Okay, that's cool. Totally different space. 
I don't want to get too esoteric, you know. But please do. Okay, but uh, actually, he uh, he showed me. I I I I experienced that there was really no me at all, and that when I thought I was Krishnadas, I acted like I thought I was Krishnadas. It didn't matter because it's not true. It's really not true. I'm only Krishnadas when I think I am. And when I'm not thinking I'm Krishnadas, the whole universe is just working fine. But the thing that saved me was that I saw that when I think I'm Krishnadas and when I think I'm doing it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, I get it. That's cool. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the way it really is. That's super cool. And I I was released from that whole thing. And then I was free to come back and really sing. And it didn't matter how many people how many beautiful yoga girls bent over and put their boobs in my face. You know, oh you you sing so wonderfully. I love the way you sing and they're just like, you know, you know, I am used to be sitting on the floor, so yes. people would come up, and they'd lean over like yeah. this. And then, you know, it was just great. And I would just look at them and smile and say, thanks. <laughs> and I had no feeling that it had anything to do with me. Right. And even, if, even when they thought it did, right, when they said, I want a piece of this guy, I knew what they wanted is the connection, the feeling of connection to what this is. It, it wasn't about me, and I knew it. I experienced it, so I didn't have to play with that. I couldn't play with that. I didn't need to play with that. It didn't have anything to do with me. What a relief. Oh, man, you're talking about relief. Life-saving. If you get a minute, read the book, because it's it's in there much more. And you need to read it, because this is happening to you when you go out and do your live Uh, podcast stuff, right? And people are coming up to you and saying, Duncan, my God, I've been so transformed. Right. Yeah, that does happen, <laughs> and it's and and it yeah. and that's where the whole yeah. fraud thing I was telling you about yeah. because you know that's happening and you. This think is what he's talking that's about. What right I'm now. talking about it, but in my case, it even had an like, I know how bad that feels, but this, I'm not trying to compare how bad, but this felt worse because this is my guru. I'm doing this to save my ass to get my connection back with him. And at the same time, I see that I'm going to use every bit of that comes to me to get myself off. Yeah. And, and I couldn't help but do that, right? It was just horrible, you know? Yeah. I, I lo- the unworthiness is just so deep, you know? That- what you're saying that's really beautiful to me that I really resonate with is this idea that, <clears throat> look, if you want to do the game where you're going to be Krishnadas and you're going to take the eat the cake that's being given to you constantly... That's okay. That's fine too. If you do that, it's not going to mess this thing up. It's not going to, there's no curse that's going to fall upon you. To me, that's a really beautiful thing because it's saying, look, you're just going to, you're good. If you're, you're a servant, you're literally a servant of Krishna. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes servants are run amok. Sometimes they do. Sometimes servants run amok. Yeah. But a, a, a true master, a, someone like Krishna or God, 
if they're serving us off they, with yoga boobs happening. They give you a long leash, you know. Right. They're very forgiving, you know, because we're human beings, you know. Yeah. And we, we're hungry for the most part. We want a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with that. And what I was liberated from with that experience was that I didn't need to do that. I didn't really want to do that. What I wanted, what I needed was this connection to deepen. And I was going to screw that up. And this saved me from screwing that up. It wasn't that, that the doing of those things would have been bad or that Maharaji would have thrown me out. That never happened. But I myself would have created a situation that was even worse for me, you know, in this case. So I, and I would have not got the, what I really wanted. You know, which is to be in that presence, to be in connected, which is what happens when we sing, you know. So the grace was so unbelievable, you know, that I, which is why I, I can't say I don't enjoy a little bit the fame, you know. Why, why wouldn't you enjoy it? It's, it's a fruit of your own actions. I don't really take it that personally, you know. I don't feel famous, but when people treat you that like that you know i mean i suppose it's better than getting beaten the shit out of isn't it i mean it's gotta be gotta be i suppose i mean (laughs) so at some point maybe it'll turn out to be the same but right now it still feels a little bit better but i don't think there's anything wrong with that i'm a human being you know and he saved me and let and help and and made it possible for me to do this practice and to save myself I don't save has a kind of a, you know. But to do this practice and learn to be myself, you know. I think save is a fine word. It's a good word. I can, when it comes down to it, it's a good word. You know, a drown when you when you pull in a drowning man, you save them. You know. When I think of before I started hanging out with you, Raghu, and like, you know, I was already into this stuff, but you started teaching me and then introducing me to other teachers and. When I think about how absolutely freaked out I was and how how like you sort of guided me in a lot of ways and you you know those flashbulb moments mm. where something happens and you can almost feel the shutter click of your brain going capture mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that has happened around you so much where it's where for example the you were the first person to really teach me we can't create an us or them situation. You know, I remember specifically, I was raging the, against... Talking in the podcast, you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, raging. Yeah, yeah and you know, you, you're separate. But, you're creating this separation. So just to cut it really sh- short, if I think about how I feel now compared to the way I felt then, I think the term, as fundamental as Christian as it sounds, mm-hmm. being saved is a pretty good word for it because you're being saved from a life of existing in a kind of ambient sleepwalking trance where you're just walking around like a zombie bumping into people and then hissing at them like they've done something wrong. <laughs> you know, that thing where you're just, you're just a hissing sleepwalker. I think it's a great word to say. But from the get-go, when you wrote to me and all of it, and that we first met on the phone, all of it, I knew you had the intention he was talking about that ultimately there's one thing which was to be free. That intention, you've had that intention. I mean, I recognized it right away. 
and all of the self-unworthiness, un all that kind of stuff and feeling like a fake. You know, we've gone back and forth in these podcasts about that, right? But that's where the trust comes in. We've been talking at the retreat a little bit about just, you know, Ram Dass said one, uh, one of, uh, he hadn't said it much before. I never heard him say it, as you said. I loved myself through Maharaji's complete uh, unconditional love. I was able to love myself. So, the, and for us, when he came over and he shared everything, we trusted that moment, whether it was the spleen or whatever it was. I mean, we, we felt exactly the way you described. We felt exactly the way you described feeling the other day. You know that you were desperate to have Ramdas in your life. Yeah. You know, because we felt exactly the same way. Because, I mean, I had met whatever yogis came to America. I met them in that time there. You know, and they were nice, but I never felt anybody. You know, had anything really for me. But when I met Ramdas, it just all the lights went on, you know. It just oh, there was no question. The mind didn't even come in bother. I just knew, right? And but here's the other issue, okay? I mean, it's let's assume, okay, we're, we're, that we have that moment where we know. Yes. How come we spend so much time in negative stuff? You know, I'm 67 years old. I went to India when I was 23. I was with Maharaji for two and a half years. And I'm still fucked up. I don't get it. I don't get it. How could this be? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. One thing, when we hear Krishna Das say I'm still fucked up, it sure creates a huge sense of relief for all of us. Like, I'm definitely fucked up. <laughs> do you realize what you do in that? In that, the, how, how redemptive that is for everyone listening. Who, who, all the bullshit about trying to achieve some perfect place. When we hear, here is a person who, <clears throat> all of us know. When my, I remember going to uh, my. Um, going to uh, my mom's home after she died of cancer and the CD that she had been listening to was Krishna Das, you know, and, and when you think about the impact you have had, soothing people who are about to exit this dimension and all the beauty that you've done for the world. And when people hear this being still feels fucked up, it helps us so tremendously because if, if it's like Christ there, <laughs> it really does. Because if you if, think if it was the opposite where you're like, I've done it, I'm perfect. Do you know why the music sounds so good? It's because it's coming from a perfect place. If you tried to sing it, it would sound terrible because you're fucked up, but mm -hmm. I'm not. That would suck, man. That would make us feel so terrible. But to mm -hmm. know that this beautiful hypnotic music that whether you like it or not gets us all really high, uh, just from hearing it, is coming from a place that is not perfect. Mm. Oh my God, that's amazing! It's amazing, you know. So maybe you're not. Maybe you need to be. Oh, wait, wait. Let's get a little bit straight here. Last night, Krishna Das did a kirtan here at the retreat, and I'm just going to give you my own experience, but. At the end, especially, I, I, was, I came in and sat close to the front, and he did Hanuman Chalisa, which is a 
the major transmission that we got from India and being with Maharaji. So many people now know this 40 verses, which is not easy. And uh, that just got completely in the moment where there's no Krishna's thinking, fucked upness, no nothing is going on. That was straight, absolutely nothing but presence in those moments. And, and I, you know, that whole room was like that. I mean, I don't know if you were in the room. You were in the room, but... Uh, I was in the room. Listen, I, 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 I admit that when I sing, that's where I belong. I, I, I do, uh, I appreciate that. I understand that. I feel that. I'm not a question of believing it. I experience it. That's when I, that's where and when I am where I should be, in a sense, you know. But there's a lot of other hours in the day when I'm not singing, or even if I'm singing or doing some practice, I'm not doing it very wholeheartedly. You know, it's like, don't I want this, you know? What am I doing? But you're usually in your room alone doing that, and we don't have to oh, pay right. any attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We're, this um, is awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. This is the other thing that... I, th I think you guys get to hang out with each other so much. You don't realize how powerful it is for people like us to be around you. Not to do the idolatry thing or whatever, to dehumanize you in that way. But it's it really is a, you know, a, a beautiful thing to see. Just to see how humble all of you are in a real way. You, you know? know what? You You call me out of the blue here, you know, from time to time. You may be thinking about something. You just call me and we just talk. Yeah. And so I stop my little whatever world it is. And, and your intent is about getting free, about getting through stuff, whatever it is. It's, it's just totally present. You're completely present in it. And that gets me pulled into that moment with you. And, and, the, and that's just sharing. All the right. way that we share to, to be become more aware and more loving and caring and you know i mean ramdas is a, an emblem for for all of this and, and as he said that this is what struck us the moment we heard that voice and uh, what, come, what came through the voice was maharaji yeah and what comes through the chanting is maharaji and that's why it's what it is it's his blessings i mean and his transmitting through us uh, why he uses us, who the fuck knows? Why he uses such damaged goods to uh, transmit his, his love to others, that's his problem. If he wants, I'm not going to complain, you know, but what are you going to do? But that's what it is. And, you know, I, to, I, 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 you know, after all these years, okay, I can say, yeah, he, I believe that he's transmitting through me. It isn't me transmitting. I'm just a transmitter. You know, I recognize that. I, I accept that, and I'm very grateful for that, really grateful for that, because I, I wasn't going to make it, you know? So. so well, what was transmitting through him? <laughs> That's interesting, you know? 
I think, well, you know, I say he's transmitting through me. Sidney Ma would say he's transmitting through her. Maharaji might have said Hanuman is transmitting through him. Mm -hmm. But who's Hanuman? You know, we he had become, there was no longer any one in there. There was no me left in there uh, to orchestrate what's happening. He had truly surrendered into that ocean of love. And so that everything that happened was the ocean making it happen. Not He, he didn't identify with being a wave any longer. So there was no one doing it. Even as kids, when we went there, I mean, he's 23, I was 24, 5. He, there was no computers then, but and I always associate this when I think about it, that there was no give and take, no nothing going on uh, of, that you would normally understand with another person. It was like a computer just did the absolute thing that was totally right in every moment. I've seen Absolutely. you guys are so lucky. I you're so lucky. I've okay. Wait, we should, yeah, we're not. I got grainy to... videos, man. That's what I get. Talk about shitty karma. Okay, wait a I minute. I get grainy that's... videos, and I get like yeah, you know what else shitty I get? karma is being in Nepal right now. Oh, that's true. So, I don't mean it's true yeah. shitty karma, but it's pretty cool that you got to be around this guy. The video that I've seen of him is amazing though because i don't know who it is but he keeps it seems like the, the person's bowing his head in front that's of that's tuari he's oh. he put him in samadhi what been talking about he put mr tuari in samadhi he was out and, and by the time sorry. you see that video he's he's bringing him back when he hits him on the head he's bringing him back Whoa. from being completely gone and it's you can see and he holds pushes him back he's like pushing this pushing his head up yeah you know and he's trying to bring him back into his body Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered what that was. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what it is. And you see the way that he's in those brief videos that you get. You definitely see the way he's moving and acting. And it's just not like anything else. No, it's not. It's just not like anything else. It's completely unique. And... Like, you know, it's, it's the ocean. <laughs> like the ocean people hear this though people are going to hear this and please mm -hmm. can you please in some way help them remove <laughs> from their mind what's emerging which is cult oh cult leader you you mean yeah. you were around a cult leader mm -hmm. you were hypnotized by a cult leader mm. and you are people who are reporting back on that now i've been around many cults in fact, I've been in a cult, so I know the difference. I know the difference. And cults are cool. Watch the Scientology documentary on uh, mm. on HBO if you want to see a cult. Yeah. Uh, but help people who are hearing this, because I think a lot of skeptical people hear this and they think, I just couldn't give another person that kind of power. I just don't think I... I, you, I it's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. You, you couldn't wait if you if there was any more you could give you would give it you'd give everything to be sitting there there's nothing you would you you like rumi says if you had to give your head what a bargain wow you know it, it was because you it wasn't that he was doing anything you looked at him and you felt you saw all the love you saw all the beauty in the whole universe wrapped up in that blanket. 
and you just went running. You, you, every part of you went running. Even your mind just couldn't stop you. You know, later your wow. mind would, you, you just, it was complete. It was like, you know. Wow. It, no thought. There's no, no there was, and there was no manipulation. Right. If there was manipulation, you would feel it. That's yeah. why you were running because there was nothing but it was the open road. It was open and you, you, the door was open and you could go in and you didn't have to pay anything or give anything or leave anything outside. You could go in with everything and he loved, and that love was for every part of you. You didn't, you didn't owe anything to anybody for getting in there. You, it was your right to be in there. Wow. There was no money or nothing. The only money that went down was for, uh, he told us to create a pool of money mm -hmm. so that the people, Westerners who just ran out of money, like me, they could stay there. So he made the people, it but was like Robin Hood, share with fun. the poor. And so that's the, that's the only thing that went down with that money. That is so cool. Ever. The Hanuman Finance. That's how I stayed in India so long. Yeah. I, you know, if I needed some rupees to do something, it was a... What was it called? The Hanuman Fund. The Hanuman Fund. Yeah, yeah. Hanuman Fund. Among the Westerners, put, those who had money put money in this... It wasn't even a, in any one place. I don't know what it was. We just had money. and You needed something, you got it. I mean, that is so cool. Yeah. If and you think about that, like, here's a... Because really, this person that you're describing, who I've experienced through you could have if there was anything like if there was any darkness in there or if there was any anything that wasn't what you're describing could have done such damage could have done such mm. incredible incredible damage to the psyche of so many sure. people yeah. but what's curious to me about him is that as opposed to a lot of other Saints who are, are probably true or, or teachers or you know like take TM who was TM Maharishi you know yeah. that's you know that's a business Mahesh. now that's a huge sprawling giant organized mm -hmm. business and you could name again and again for better or for worse so many other of these people that have a web of copyrights patents trademarks you know surrounding them uh, whereas this guy, there's none of that. It's in fact, it's he's he just walked off the planet. He didn't leave anything to anybody. Yeah. He just took a step and he was gone. And no disciples. No, no disciples. Nothing. No no follow. No no. Uh, he didn't leave anything to anybody. He didn't leave anybody in charge. He didn't. There was no bank accounts. You know, there was nothing. You know. So all the temples were owned by the government. They were all government trusts. In other words, the government actually owned the temple, and there was a board of directors that ran it. But of course, everybody listened to Maharaji. He was the boss. But he didn't own them. You know, he didn't own anything. Wild. I mean, you, you know how, you know, you know when you just fall in love when you meet that person, and it's like all the lights go on, and you go like, you would do anything in those moments, right? That's what it was, and it never went, the lights never dimmed. Because there was no one in there. Usually with a person, you come up against places they won't go. You know, or where you, you do something and you feel they, they, they judge you in some way. So then you kind of figure out what you have to show them to get what you want. And then you're doing business. There That's was called no, a cult. There was no business. There was no business. No business whatsoever. He didn't need you there. He didn't, he didn't keep you there. He let some people stay. He sent others away. 
He said, go away is my mantra. Jiao is my mantra. Go away. You know, he, he made you. But that has always been, I'm sorry to keep you over, but that has always been a terrifying part of the story. <laughs> the Jiao. It was terrifying. Oh, no. He, like, he would get up and he would walk out of the temple and, he'd get in the, and you'd watch him go and kind of in a dream. And then you see you get in a car and drive away. Talk about terror. Here we are. We didn't know. We these Westerners in India. We didn't know what to do. He's driving away. We didn't know when or if he's coming back. You felt like a dog. I felt like horror, terror. It was terrible. And this is like he would do this, you know. And he did this with everybody. He didn't owe anything to anybody. He just went and did what he had to do. And he didn't. He didn't leave notes. And he'd say, "Don't worry. I'll be back in a few days." He's gone. Well, he even once said, oh, he said, I'm leaving, so you all just leave. And we, oh, no, don't leave. And actually, some of the women were crying. And he said, all right, all right, well, meet me up in, uh, in Kenchi. Meet me up in the mountains. I'll meet you up there. Oh, great. We all went up there. He never showed up. <laughs> These people were so, we were very upset. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. he just fooled around with us and but had a good time. It's, he did that. One of the results that he... You know, it's funny. We never thought of it this way, but Sidney Ma said, Maharaji tested the Westerners so much. Mm. And I thought, what? What do you mean tested? But then I thought, yeah, yeah, he would leave. And some people would say, okay, and they would go and do other things. But there was a group of people who just spent every moment of the day wondering when he's coming back and waiting. And then if he didn't come back, when to find him. You know, I mean, there were people who just would not, and it was interesting. And I never thought of it as a test, but where else would I go? What, what else did I want to do except be with him, you know? That's where the longing... The, the longing. He, the he, long. he knew how to increase that longing to, to you know, fucking frying in it, you know? So cool. Yeah. Beautiful. It's terrifying not to have control, you know, to... Be, but... In this case, with him, we couldn't give away the control fast enough. We just wanted to be in that love. And we were in that love. We did, he led us into that room where love lives. So we knew what it is. And we knew there was no manipulation, that nobody wanted anything. We, we could breathe in there. We were free in that love, not confined. We, didn't, we weren't getting that love because we were good little boys and girls. We were experiencing that love free. It was free, completely free. And it was ours. And, and it was unbelievable. And by the way, just to end this podcast, we should say that this is not something that had to do with that body stopped in 1973 and then that was it. This has continued to the moment that we are in right now with you. This is uh, one of the uh, closest people we had, Indian family named Dada Mukherjee. He came to, he had the massive miracles that would make your hair stand. If you've read By His Grace, Dada Mukherjee, which is one of the great books about Maharaji. And he came to America, and, he's, and, and he saw all these people that were continuing to have these 
these experiences. And people who didn't meet Maharaji, who only knew him about him from the people Books who had or, met him. Yeah. Or the people, or Ramdas, or in this case now Krishnadas. And he said, this is the greatest miracle that I have ever experienced. That he saw that the body is completely unnecessary for what was going on. And so that, forget about the cult, you know, bullshit, which was explained really well. Um, the real, the reality is there is not necess necessity to, to meet this being or any being that is of this nature, Siddha, they're called, in a physical body. And he himself said that the guru is not external. So just, we, that's really important. And you're experiencing it along with a few hundred people right now. I am, yeah, for sure. It's it's undeniable. I mean, it feels so weird to say, but yeah, it's, it is. It sounds weird, you guys. Welcome to the cult, Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> right. you made it. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your money? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, how much you got? <laughs> Give me all your money before we get out of here. Uh, so, uh, hey, thank you, thank you, Duncan. Duncan Trussell, Family Hour and uh, mind rolling with myself and David Silver and thank you Krishna Das and uh, krishnadas.com to find out everything about his constant travels more than you want to know yeah. <laughs> he's going to Canada soon so all you Canadians look out for him uh, coming real soon to your neighborhood July end of June end of June until July um, and uh, namaste great. namaste Hare Krishna Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.